0: Here we have a story about a couple of billies Get rich quick, man that seems kinda silly I mean, from dynasty to redraft, really? Ain't no way they about to make this quarter milli Feel me? Nah man, I really don't This the GOAT district, they win whenever they want This the big time though, they're playing against the bonds Gotta wonder if they're prepared or if they'll bomb. Look. Let's quick run through a checklist. I only got a minute, but I want you to get this. Experience, yes. Evaluation, yes. VBD, yes. Sleeper picks, yes. Well, sheesh, now you get it. I ain't even lying. Go ahead, pick up the rhymes. Spit a couple of lines. Spell it out for people so they can feel it in their spine. GOAT, greatest of all time. It's the corner melly billies on a quest for the best. FFPC is a test for the rest. GOAT, gonna flex, that's a yes. Matter of fact, say less, say less. corner on a quest for the best. FFPC is a test for the rest. Gonna flex, that's a yes. Of fact, say less, say less.
1: It is Tuesday, June 2nd, and welcome to another installment of the Half Millie Billies on the GOAT District Podcast Network. On tonight's show, we brought on some guests uh, to help as therapists to work through the existential crisis that I'm personally having. Uh, over the naming and the branding of the half milli billies, because tonight we are reviewing a tournament that is the half milli billies divided by 100. That's right. Tonight we're reviewing the KFFSC checkered flag tournament. Top prize $5,000. But look, guys, that's okay. Half milli billies isn't a dollar value, it's a state of mind, a state of taking down a tournament. So on this episode, our guests are actually going to help review the KFFSC Limited Run 96 Entrant Tournament leading up to the uh, the Kentucky uh, drafts, uh, their bigger events. So when uh, JD and Dan let me take over the Half Millie Billy's brand, we agreed that we would hit the football guys, obviously. They made events. Everyone wants to hear about those. That much was obvious. But when we took a look at some of the other tournaments, uh, high Safe drafts, redraft. Uh, we obviously saw these Kentucky ones, and we saw some see. So tonight's guests, they really started to hit the Kentucky uh, drafting hard. They have done a couple of pods already. They threw down a challenge and early in the stage of drafting, call it, still wasn't going to enter. Wanted to learn more before I got involved. I wanted like the fantasy mojo of the the Kentucky drafts. But then I kept seeing one spot open in the draft that they threw down a challenge for. The spot didn't close, spot didn't close. Ultimately had to jump in, had to close it. So, We're going to review that draft, the KFFC, see how it translates to the FFPC, um, and then we're going to go through our teams and compare them. So let me intro our guests. Let me start. Um, One of tonight's guests is the host of multiple podcasts of his own, focusing on the high stakes tournaments and dynasty. He writes for uh, DLF football, Uh, Get stuck in a conversation with him too long this offseason, and you may accidentally be drafting Kune Wangu in the second round of your dynasty drafts. The other guest is podcast hosting partner. He's a veteran of the high stakes fantasy football, the shark that guides you through the rest of the shark infested waters. And if you ask him which wallet is his, his, is his, this Jules would tell you it's the one that says bad motherfucker on it. Collectively, they won over 13 FFPC tournament league titles, including four main events. And last year, last year, they took down first place in their division in the draft shark sharks invitational. Remember what I said about the shark guide and third overall on the tournament. On my list of influential bands for this podcast, these guys are up there. In fact, once you finally hear their names, you should absolutely pause this podcast and subscribe to theirs. It's Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB and Jay Reed at Packers 153 of the Chasing the Helmet podcast. Boys, welcome to the show. Why don't you guys get talking so I can take a nap and a drink of water? Well, <laughs> thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, good to be here.
1: This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for. Thanks for joining. I think this is going to be fun. Love that you guys threw down the challenge for the Kentucky draft. Um, but happy that you guys are doing this year, too. It seemed like a lot of fun. We didn't talk pre-show, but, um, you know, I think Farrell Elliott does a good job of, like, call it community outreach and trying to get people <laughs> involved and, and making sure he's doing a good job of, of, of connecting. So I, uh, I really appreciated, like, the, call it the Kentucky love uh, almost immediately of, uh, upon joining in the tournament. How would you
3: guys feel about that? Oh, Farrell loves to sell. <laughs> yes. I've been talking to him We've been texting back and forth uh, man, He's great, uh, he puts on a great show in Kentucky uh, Scott and I were thinking About jumping in uh, last year We didn't do it this year He said, you know what, let's be a little bit diverse In our high stakes leagues We've already, you know, like you said, knocked down two KFFSC checkered flags um, They're a blast uh, They're unique, they're different from the FFPC Though we're pivoting to the FFPC Shortly OK, uh, we're, we're doing both, but uh, we got a taste of it. Then we're going to be doing more checkered flags too. two more leagues. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just it's just a different uh, uh, fantasy uh, fun uh,
2: overall.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, Farrell,
2: Farrell came on our show uh, last week and uh, wanted to make sure we got that checkered flag filled. And, you know, he was like, hey, you guys want me to come on the show, talk about Kentucky and <laughs> If anyone listened to our first Kentucky draft, we're sitting there in the middle of the draft going, How do the playoffs work here again? You know, what what five weeks matter? You know, how, how's this work? And it kind of sounded, you know, like we didn't read the rules, because we really Lost. didn't read the rules. didn't started. read the rules, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But he uh, no, I I'd never i never talked to I, mean, before. I think that, oh good Scott,
1: and go ahead, Scott. I,
2: no, I'd never talked to Farrell before, other than I met him in Vegas two years ago. He gave me a business card. He's like, hey, if you're ever near Kentucky, hit me up. You know, call him draft in Kentucky. I'm like, you know what? We'll do that. Then we didn't do it last year. And we talked about it. Jay and I talked about it. But with COVID, we weren't really sure about what the schedule was going to look like. So we didn't add anything new. And then first time I talked to Farrell since Vegas was when he's on the podcast. And he came on right as we were starting. So I didn't have any pre-show interaction with him. And by the end, he's going, hey, hey. I know you. You live in Columbus. You're only three hours away. I expect you to be here and here and here. Like let let's just draft more and more and more. And part of me's going, you know what? This guy is a good salesman. Like he, yeah, he can put on an event. And if I'm within driving distance where I can just get up and go, uh, I'll be there. So yeah, I got to give kudos to him for uh, definitely bringing new players in.
1: He's got that ABC, the always be closing. I, I, got, I got to not call him. Yes. I got to not be involved. I can't be texting him because <laughs> if I do, I'm inevitably going to end up in more drafts. So yes. I, I'm going to have to just avoid him. Do, do, do his drafts, but avoid him personally because otherwise you're going to end up with a bigger portfolio than you ever thought. Uh, so so you, you guys are have have partnered up here, I think, the last, what, three, four years. But I want you guys to correct me. I, I, I want to learn a little bit more about you guys' partnership, your your origin story, if you will um and again scott you, you just mentioned it you guys have done a couple pods you guys did a live draft pod your live draft content is awesome and again as i mentioned make Thank sure you, you go back and listen to their kentucky uh uh spots one live dra- I, actually two live drafts uh, um over both checkered flags that you guys did um my credit to you guys before you get in the origin story is you work out your picks live much better than i would ever now <laughs> you can still hear it seeping through right like I think if you listen to the last one, there was Jay, who was actively rooting against DeAndre Swift being available. And you guys, pick. that was delightful. Um, You know, Scott, you not wanting the second quarterback, you you know, you know, there's those discussions. I got to say, if I'm recapping my drafts, uh, which we do uh, with, with Theo who's another goat. I mean, it's after like the dust has settled and like, I've talked myself into, okay, Theo, that was a good pick. Or he's talked himself into something I did. But somehow you guys are managing it like all live. So I want to hear the origin story. But then I want to kind of hear how you guys are able to to manage your own uh, picks and, uh, and your frustrations. Because obviously, not not to work a divide because there is none. But like, you know, you, you guys are both headstrong people when you guys want, you know, your picks. But obviously there's a style and a partnership that works there. Yeah.
3: Well, you brought up the origins, Andrew. I mean, uh, years ago, I joined a best ball league. It was an IDP, not my niche at all. Uh, And Scott happened to be in that league. And through the course of the season, I was really impressed with his knowledge of uh, the fantasy football players, his stats. And I was looking for a teammate to, to draft in Vegas and to play high stakes with me. Um, So in the chat, you know, I slowly, you know, talked about the FFPC, uh, showed him the rules, not the fees, because I didn't want to scare him away because it's high stakes. Um, Finally, we got to that. And when I shared the fees with them, Scott simply told me, well, how much we're going to win. And I knew yeah, it was nice. I mean, I knew right then and there, this is the guy I want to team with. Uh, He's he's more focused on winning than what he has to lose. Uh, And we've been pretty successful. This is our fifth year together. Um overall. Okay. Nice. I mean, the name, uh, chasing the helmet. Um, I've been playing high stakes since 2010. Uh, I've been chasing that damn helmet for 10 years. <laughs> I want to mark I want to scratch it off my bucket list. Maybe Scott can help me win it. Um, but and that's, um, and that's the main the main event tournament champion. That's helmet, correct. Right? Everyone yeah. knows about the five hundred thousand yeah. dollars, but uh, but they give a gorgeous helmet as well. And uh, you know, I like to put that on my mantle. Uh, Piece one day, and Scott has agreed to let me have it if we ever pull it off. But it was was Scott's idea for the podcast, and it was last year we were in Vegas. He said it was a good way for us to connect and stay in touch uh, because then we would fall off and then we'd only pick it up maybe in May the following year. So I agreed to that, even though we're sharing uh, stats, we're sharing strategies, and that type of thing on a podcast. So uh, we went for it, we decided to do it, and basically. Um, it's a podcast where, you know, we don't have hot takes. We're not telling, when there's no call-ins, we're not telling you who to sit or start. Yeah. You're just coming in here and, and you're, you're following the ups and downs of two high-stakes players through their fantasy season, simply put. I mean, we're sharing strategies, we're sharing what players we want, but we're putting up our hard-earned money uh, to back up those strategies and picks. So there's something to that. So listeners, you know, can take away what they want from it Okay, like you just said about Swift and the differences that we have and we work it out. Um, But, you know, but at the end of the day, um, that's what we decide to do. This is this is how we conduct our drafts. We do live drafts and it's fun. You know, we stay together and and, and somehow over this our second year, over the the last two years, we've managed at least to keep it, you know, interesting and, and ongoing through our drafts, though it is it is sometimes it is difficult at times. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, just to add to to Jay with the origin story, you know, this was a a thirty five dollar IDP league that, you know, I was actually the commissioner of, and we were just looking for a couple owners to jump in and fill a team, and it was just happenstance that the Green Bay Packers were there. And Jay likes the Packers. Otherwise, yeah. if the Packers would have been taken, <laughs> if the Packers would have been taken, Jay would have never jumped into never the league. joined. Would have never, no. would have never met Jay. Oh, got it. You know, probably would have never hey. even. So, So it truly was happenstance. And obviously everyone knows me from Dynasty and Chill. So I'm always doing something content wise, uh, podcasting. So when I had the idea to do another podcast, I was like, Jay, you know, we can make this a different podcast than what's out there. Because one of the things people know me for is I listen to 25 hours of podcasts a day. And so, and I'm listening on two, two and a half speed. So it's just constantly like this on all the time, all the time. And I have a desk job. So I sit at my desk, review stuff, read stuff, write stuff. So it's really a lot of downtime. And I'm like, Jay, we can make a podcast because there's nobody else out there that is really doing this from a high stakes perspective. And I think that's for one of two reasons. One, with Dynasty and Redraft, you get a lot of content out there where people tell you what to do. Uh, But I found a lot of people in those spaces, they aren't out there grinding and playing. You know, I'm in 60 Dynasty Leagues on top of it, but I'm on the front lines. I'm a player. I'm not a podcaster. I am a player. I would give up all the podcasting, the Twitter follows, all of that to be a player Good at player. heart. Yeah. And a lot of – you don't see that in high stakes, and that's because – you know, no offense to any of the high stakes podcasts out there. Most of the people that are behind the scenes winning, they aren't podcasting. Yeah. They aren't out there announcing what they're doing to win – six figures every year in high stakes. Now they may have a website or they may do something where they're getting paid for it. You know, they're consulting people, but they're not out there doing a podcast going, okay, here's our strategy. Let's do it. Here's over it here's over inside over. Of exactly. Now to be fair, you know, part of it started, I don't want to take the origin story too far, but part of it started in the first year when we went to Vegas, um, we knew we had a draft. It's a funny story. We knew we had a draft against the ship chasing Pat Coeurain and Peter Overzet.
1: Oh, there you go. There, there's there's one of the other influential bands. And, well,
2: and I, and so yeah. they didn't they didn't know me from anybody else. Yeah. They, they didn't yeah. follow me on Twitter, nothing. But I listened to their entire show, and I knew we were in a draft, two spots away from them. And lo and behold. <laughs> I knew everybody they liked. I mean, I knew they were connected with Rotoviz and established the run. Like, I knew kind of where they ran the circles and, you know, the players they liked and their strategy. Yeah. But we sat there and, you know, picked off player after player after player that they wanted. And they started looking over at us like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) And we're we're reaching on players two or three rounds in front of them. Yeah. Just to take their guys. Now, it still fit within our strategy, but – that's when I started to realize, Jay, we can do a podcast and we can be somewhat entertaining. I do think our banter back and forth has gotten better over the, the episodes where I'll I'll give Jay a hard time and he'll do it back to me. But yeah, that's great. We, we can do a podcast. We don't give away our strategy, but we're not scared to go in and literally talk about our drafts and maybe what we did or what we want to do in the future. Yep. Fantasy football is all about making bets. Yeah, the we're none of us are great at predicting player outcomes. We're trying to spot trends, especially when we're playing in leagues where there's 96 players or in the main event. Thousands of players or in football, guys. Tens of thousands of players. There's luck. There's variance. There's correlation. All that stuff that goes into it. So who cares if we're in one draft and we maybe give away a couple of players we like? We'll hedge our bets and go the opposite way. So I think we've created a show where we can talk about our drafts, talk about our strategy. But somebody can't just listen to it for four episodes and be like, I got these guys pegged. Yeah. I'll be able to beat I their got, ass every single, yeah, yeah. every single every <laughs> single job. So we'll end it there.
1: I like it. Was that the year that uh, the ship chasing boys were still up there wearing their red four for four uh, shirts? Was that was that the same was that the same year? Or am, I, am I misremembering a year there? Maybe not.
2: That was the um, year that that was the year that they were in Vegas and Pat Corrain had the absolute infatuation with Ronald Jones and Will Fuller. Those were oh, the two okay. guys.
1: Yeah.
2: And it was two years, years ago. Oh, two, so it was yeah, when Ship okay, okay, Chasing okay, yeah. just first launched.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. I remember one year. And they were, were doing there. one. Overset was there in like bright red four for four football shirts. I didn't yes. know if that was and they
2: were doing one main event. Only yeah, one yeah. live main event. And yeah. we were we were two spots away from them at the live draft table. Them. Nice.
1: So. No, I I like that. Thank you for sharing that origin story. That was that was great. So let's 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 segue into our draft and let's let's call it the you know the draft origin story for the one that we did. And I think it's important to note right the the couple of rules about uh, well, you know what's different between Kentucky and FFPC, right? Um, you know, three wide receivers, star three wide receivers, and premium. I think that'll be important to go through as we work through this. And then I think it you know a couple of its main features. It's a third round reversal, which is interesting. And then you auction for your draft slots. Now, Again, before we go into the auction, because I do want to talk about that, because that's kind of, you know, our our drafts origin story. The interface, um, you know, looks exactly like FFPC. So just like a plug to Kentucky, if you're comfortable with the FFPC interface. Uh, it's, it's great. looks the same. I think it even threw a couple people off in our mentions earlier today who are mortified at the, uh, at the draft board that they saw. God, I saw that. Yeah. That they think that there was like a, a 312 DK Metcalf, which is all fine, right? Like, you know, seeing a draft board in Kentucky <laughs> out in the wild, with no <laughs> context, right? Maybe you're just like, you know, absolutely stunned. Um, so, so let's talk about the let's you know, now that we've got the, the Kentucky rules out of the way, let's talk about the auction. You do start every draft with an auction strategy. Um, I'll kind of give a recap of your own, right? I think your first draft, you guys were early in the draft. I don't think you spent a lot of money, but this past draft, um, I was in that auction with you guys and you guys had a plan. What were you shooting for? What did you guys end up getting? Um, and then what were you angling for with that draft strategy? Well,
3: when, when, when we went in, we were discussing, uh, first of all, I love the process bidding on the draft slots. I just love yeah. I think that, that's a blast. Uh, but we were looking at nine or 10 slots. And the thinking was, if Tyreek Hill falls to us, uh, possibly at nine, we're going to take him. We were going to start off zero RB, go three wide receivers in a row. If not, then we knew definitely we could bag uh, Stefan Diggs. Yep. Okay? And he would be our first wide receiver. And then from there, you know, we would just, just uh, pick away, pick off uh, the best wide receivers that are available for the next three rounds. So we got uh, spot nine for, I believe, 50 bucks. Which, yep. You know, that's comes off our fab. So we have $950 uh, left, you know, for the year, which, which, I mean, we were, we we're ecstatic to get that spot, you know, for that, that amount of money. Yeah, I think,
1: I don't know. I don't know how it went in your first auction, but I, it was about how I expected it. I think I meant to look it up, but I think that the first or the middle, middle five, maybe like th- four through eight went all in for 10 bucks and, and ours and it wasn't, you know, it was the ends that spiked upwards. Again, with that third round reversal of the, that 12 spot being, uh, pre, you know, pretty heavy.
2: Uh, yeah, you, the first one. Oh, the first one, we um, we didn't really have a draft slot because it was our first one. And we knew we were yeah. going to play multiple checkered flags. Yeah, You know, the checkered flags is eight drafts, 12 teams. So we're probably going to have multiple shots at trying to get into this tournament. So we wanted to have a plan after we did our first draft. To have a different team the second time. Uh, but Jay and I were both in the first draft. What happens is the first couple of slots, people that want to pick at the beginning, that want to get Barkley or Kamara or McCaffrey or whatever, they get bidded on. Yeah. And then four, five, six, seven, all of those, nobody yep. wanted them. Nobody yeah. them. Yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, great. And
2: so we were literally the last ones to get our slot. And they're like, okay, 104 is left. You get it for 10 bucks. So we took yeah. 104. And then we go, okay, well, we had 104. We liked our team. Let's do the symmetrical opposite and go with the 109. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there you go. We targeted the 109. Nice. The rest is history. You can see. No, knowing you have to pay a little bit for it.
1: A little bit more than 10, but 50 is. Right. I, mean, I, I could easily blow 50 bucks on, you know, uh, <laughs> but who was the sample guy last year? What, what was this? Drew Sample. I, I, I blow 50 bucks easy on Drew Sample. So I might as well save me for myself. <laughs> No, I, you know, I, it's funny that you guys got the last draft slot in the fir- your first draft, you know, or I guess four slot, but last person to actually, you know, secure their spot. Same, same thing with me on this one. I, I pushed some money around, I made some bids, but ultimately I said, well, Hey, I, I'm, I'm cocky and I'm sure of myself, but I, I don't know if I'm that, that sure of myself where I need to be spending up, uh, you know, a third of my fab, a quarter of my fab on this. So, you know, I, I did end up, I think six and seven were available, uh, and, and did say, okay, I think I'd rather seven, uh, Than six, and we can we can talk about that too. But I I just absolutely love the uh, the auction start to these drafts. That was
3: yes, we do too.
1: Yeah. Um. So you you guys got nine. I'll I'll just go with mine. I and and maybe we can. You know, I'll go with why I liked seven over six. Uh. And then I kind of want you guys to kind of walk walk through your draft and we kind of start you know reviewing the boards from here. I liked seven because in my mind I like six running backs. I don't like Zeke, so I actually said. I was to you mentioned Hill. I was going to go if Jonathan Taylor had gone in that sixth spot. So the running backs went off the board. And actually, I should share the share the draft board. I know you guys have shared the board on Twitter, and of course, we mm-hmm. can add it to the you know the the uh, Twitter uh, the tweet once we release the show. But the you know the, the six running backs went: McCaffrey, Cook, Barkley, Kamara, uh, Henry. And if Taylor had gone six, I absolutely would have gone AJ Brown. Now. Mm-hmm. You guys won AJ Brown? I would have gone AJ Brown over Tyree Kill. I know that's not the most popular opinion. I, I like him a lot this year, but you guys ended up getting him in the second round. So why don't you like work through? Ended up, you know, what, what happened with your ninth spot? Kind of where you guys started going, and we can maybe talk a little bit about you know AJ Brown and what that would have meant if I had sniped him from you guys. Sniped, air quotes. Um, you know, if, if Jonathan Taylor had been taken away from me. You want me to take that, Scott?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, no, I can take it. We we, okay. we planned on getting digs, and then we did talk about the two more receivers start after that because we noticed in the Kentucky draft, um, every every league that I'm in, dynasty, redraft, whatever, I run what's called a scoring matrix, and it's supposed to give you relative positional value to each one of the starting spots. And when you run it for one of these Kentucky drafts, you have an extra receiver. So three of your eight starting spots that are not defense or kicker are considered receivers so core positions and then you have no tight end premium and then the quarterback scoring relative to you know some crazier leagues is pretty limited so essentially the receivers the optimal build is to start four receivers every single week and so we figured let's go three receivers because what happens with this third round reversal is teams hit those receivers really hard so the receivers you typically see in round 3 through 6 of an FFPC draft are going off the board in the first four and a half rounds of these Kentucky drafts. Cause the tight ends are falling. The quarterbacks are falling, not because they score any differently, but just because relative positional value, they're a little bit lower because of the demand for the receivers. So we're like, we're going three receivers. And then we'll worry about running backs. We, we didn't really go any further than that. And the names we had in mind were Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen in round three. Now what happens is in these live drafts, you don't know what the board's going to look like. So we executed the plan, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown. We knew we'd be able to get A.J. Brown at that spot, most likely. So then we're going third round reversal. They're going to eat up all the running backs, right? But CEH falls in our lap. And so we immediately pivot on the clock. We plan on taking two more receivers after that to make up for it and keep an eye on the quarterbacks. But then it comes back around and we're like, you know what? There's still like four, five, six receivers we like. So we're going to take Josh Allen. So what was supposed to be a three or four receiver start turned into a two receiver CEH Josh Allen start. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still love the upside that we've got with the rest of our receivers too. So that, that I think the benefit is picking at the end of these third round reversal drafts with the extra demand for the receivers. Uh, to me, if you can get that spot, I mean, and you're in a good spot too, the second half of that draft, you know, you could have started Tyreek Hill. I know you went running back, running back, but the Second half of these drafts, I think, are really primed for the format. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to pay up much to get a 101, 102, 103. No, I, yeah. I don't love the bills that much.
1: I uh, agreed. And, and and maybe and maybe Scott to, to pivot there too, like thinking about call the, the episode's big idea of translation from Kentucky to FFPC. And I think that you were hitting on it, but let, let, let me ask you, you know, related to your draft, do you guys do many of these call it running back fragile bids, you know, I, I don't want to call it zero RB or modified just like, you know, more fragile running back. Or is that like a true function um, of, of the three wide receivers the start three wide receiver, third round reversal. Was that just like a total function of, of this format? Like what's, what's translatable um, you know, at least, at least from your overall strategy. And then, you know, you don't have to give a, a ton here. We can talk about that, you know, as, as we progress through uh, reviewing the teams.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the first thing is last year. Anybody that listened to our co- podcast, uh, we were very much the heavy RB early. Yes, which a, a lot of people were. I mean, that was the craze. It's still the craze now, but I think the difference is what we saw last year was the fragility at running back was exposed. Yep, it was also exposed at receiver. There were a lot of receivers that went early last year that didn't deliver as well. Um, I chronicled this on my Dynasty Show, talking about. I've been talking about this for two or three years now. Wide receiver in the NFL is there are alphas and then there are everybody else's and the everybody else's can give you one, two, three, up to four or five, six top end weeks a year. Yeah. But the further down you go, the harder it is to predict. So our flaw last year was we went into it going, you know what? Receivers are hit or miss. You know, we can find receivers in round 10, round 12, round 14. They exist. But the flaw was in a shallower format like this, when it's not best ball, we found ourselves last year and it was a bad year for the running back fragility because a lot of them got hurt. A lot of them didn't produce. We found ourselves and I know I'm being long-winded, but I think this is a test to our strategy this year. We went really heavy running back, which is fine. You can do that. You can go three running backs and still build a great receiver core, but we made two mistakes. One last year, we went too heavy on running backs and that cost us with some of the big waiver wire pickups. Yeah, We go, oh, we don't need James Robinson. We don't need Mike Davis. We don't need Miles Gaskin because you know what? We have David Montgomery as our fourth running back. And our third was Leonard Fournette. And our second was Melvin Gordon. We don't need to spend fab on a running back. We're good. Now, so that, I think that cost us by going, we don't need these guys. When in The truth is, I don't care if you have four or five good running backs. You should always put in a competitive bid on the one that hits the wire.
1: Get, That's yeah, the get, first
2: thing. Get a, get and a
1: second,
2: Exactly. And the second thing was, and I, and I'll throw this to Jay because I was a staunch. I started playing back seven or eight years ago, and it was all about the late round quarterback. You can stream quarterback, which in theory, it can work. But again, because we started off last year with a bunch of rosters where we were holding two or three quarterbacks planning to stream we never really chased the upside of the Ryan Tannehill's when he hit waivers or Mm. Justin Herbert when he hit waivers. Whereas the team that only went one running back or one quarterback and maybe they got COVID or maybe they got hurt. They might've been more apt to make the pickup that we just said, Oh no, we're good. We have Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Let's just stream. (laughs) We'll hit a top 10 quarterback every week. And how wrong were we? So it was a combo of poor roster construction, Uh, And also we went too heavy on certain players. And so it's changed our strategy this year. So, Jay, I know I dominated that, but any thoughts?
3: No, I'll just add to that. You're right, Scott. We hit two roadblocks last year. And uh, you remember our Saturday nights. Because we took RBs like maybe four or five in the first 10 rounds, we were taking the receivers after round 10. And we had a hell of a time trying to decide who to start, Sid, between our wide receivers. And we were wrong 50 percent of the time. I mean, we could we could now guess ourselves. The second roadblock was exactly what you said. We had waited to take our two quarterbacks um, later after round 10. And then we we wanted to stream again. We were about 50 percent wrong, 50 percent correct. You don't win tournaments. You don't win championships that way. So those were the two roadblocks. So this year we're looking to plug and play, Andrew. Yeah. We're looking to plug and play. We don't want to sit there on a Saturday night and do 25 teams waivers and take three hours deciding, looking at the weather conditions, whatever. We're not going to play anybody over Stephon Diggs or A.J. Brown or Kenny Galladay. Yeah. They're plug, they're plug, it's plug and play. Then the last 10 rounds, we can come back and add depth. And then yeah. and like in this draft, and Scott agreed with me in this draft, that's why we took Ryan Tannehill uh, in the 12th round. You know, 13th round, I'm sorry. So, you know, that's that's little wrinkles that uh, we're, we're putting into our strategy this year. Now, will we take three, four running backs in a main event? Oh, absolutely, if the value falls to us, like Scott said. Yeah. You know, we're always going to chase the value, but uh, we're looking more to plug and play uh, and have those Saturday nights cut down to maybe an hour and a half, uh, decide, you know, decision makings and to start sit, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work when you play multiple leagues uh, like Scott and I do.
1: Yeah, no, that no, that, that that makes sense. Um, and then the the uh, the other thing from like a translation perspective, at least that that I noticed here, and I, I don't know what you guys' thoughts were, and I think maybe you saw it in your first draft too, is I was shocked at how many running backs went in round two. Now, me, I took two running backs to start, I took Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon to start. Uh, I was happy with that. And maybe and maybe it was just people thinking, maybe Scott, hey, there's gonna be alphas that fall later. I've got this third round reversal, I can go ahead and start you know, you know, multiple running backs and maybe I still get one of my ride receivers. I was just shocked with like the start three wide receivers. And again, I part of the problem here that not like not that many wide receivers were flying off the board in round two. Did that did that shock you in either draft? Or is that just like going back to like, hey, you know, the running backs are always going to dominate. And pe- if, you know, if people think that they can get two studs, they'll always start
3: with two studs. I think the Kentucky rules dictates a different type of draft than the FFPC. And I remember just like you, Andrew, this was your first draft in the KFFSC. This was our second. So we're still learning. We still, I mean, they have pros in there. I think in the first draft, I read off all the veterans we were up against, 15 years, 10 years, eight years experience. Uh, We got to get our stuff together right away because we're in four big payback leagues. Those are $1,000 a piece live. Uh, in Kentucky at the end of August. So that's why we're going to do two more checkered flags, add that in to get more practice. Get the reps on the belt. Yeah, exactly. Just to figure out, you know, what everybody's doing on a consensus. Cause you're right. There is no fantasy mojo shout out to him. ADP that you can go by or whatever, just your, your latest draft board. So, um, you know, I, I I think
2: one thing to add to that is these Kentucky drafts, the wild cards are, there's a couple running backs that can be wild cards, Ah, uh, Miles Sanders was certainly a little bit of a surprise in this draft, jumping up, you know, into the mid to late second. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the wild cards in these Kentucky drafts, which can literally sway your strategy one way or the other, is essentially who is going to suck it up and take the tight ends. Pretty much, that's it. I mean, you can be sitting. I mean, look at George Kittle; he went at the three twelve. You yep. can see a draft where Kelsey falls early, mid second, and Waller and Kittle go in the late third. Which is gonna hit? It's gonna hit a couple of those receivers and running backs higher than expected. But this draft, yeah. Waller went two ten. That that's probably what pushed Clyde Edwards Hilaire to us. That one yeah. pick,
1: yeah, nailed it. Could have
2: pushed see C- him and you could see Miles Sanders going behind Edwards Hilaire and Waller going behind Edwards Hilaire in one of these drafts. That literally probably pushed one player to us that wouldn't have been there. So I think the tight ends. FFPC, Waller, Kittle, Kelsey are gone in the first 18 picks, 20 picks. Not here. These tight ends can go round three or round four. And I know us, we didn't even talk tight end. We literally, they weren't on our board unless it was like, oh my God, Waller's there in the fourth round. Let's take him. So, you know, if you're in a draft against us, you know, if you're thinking tight end, there's probably a lot of people thinking the same way where it's like, hey, I can get some tight ends if I want to go that way.
1: Yeah, And I, I do want to talk tight ends. I think the, the one other thing that I noticed that like may be translatable, cause I know you guys hit this and I think you guys already alluded to it is the stacking. This is a limited run tournament, 96 teams. We've talked about it, eight drafts, 12 teams each. You guys stacked the, the Diggs Allen. And then of course <laughs> I set myself up for uh, potentially getting Dallas uh, with the CD Lamb pick in the third, but ultimately just decided to go super Browns stack. Um, and waited on, uh, well, waited a little bit for Joe Burrow, but, but ultimately decided to pull the trigger maybe a round or two before I thought he should go. But just to make sure that if I'm going to do a stack, I'm going to do it right and I'm going to get him. So you guys got the Josh Allen, uh, Stefan Diggs, and then I went with the Burrow, Mixon, and T. Higgins. Uh, in these tournaments, stacking still translatable uh, across formats?
3: I think so. I think everybody, you know, looks to do that. I don't know if it's achievable. Uh, yeah. but this is only ninety-six teams. Like Scott said, it's not a thousand teams, ten thousand teams, eight thousand teams. Um, we actually we, we did a double stack, you know. We we stacked Tannehill with AJ ah, Brown yeah. and yeah, and Frisker, and that's that's a backup stack, you know. Yeah. I kind of talked um uh, Scott into that. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he threw for over thirty, eight hundred yards, thirty-three touchdowns, and he ran seven touchdowns in last year, round thirteen as your backup, I mean, we, we couldn't pass that up. So he agreed with me. So I, I don't think he would have, if we would not have had AJ Brown or Frisker. Um, right. But yeah, you know, we actually did a double stack, which actually rounded out the team. I mean, I think, I, I think it really up, you know, gave our team a more competitive chance in this league. Yeah, no, that yeah, makes sense.
2: I think um, this has been something that I've been talking about, about dynasty this year too, is with the ascension of these quarterbacks, one of my strategies, and it, we didn't necessarily do it here because Josh Allen's obviously a high-end quarterback, yep. but I do think that stacking, it can add anywhere from like 3 to 5% in a given week to your head-to-head game. Now, in some of these tournaments where it's total points or you know there's different rules, it can matter more or less. But essentially, when you're in a, in a head-to-head game, and especially when you get into like the main events especially – You know, if you can, even if you finish 200th in the main event, if you win your league, finish in first place with most points, and you win it, you've basically paid for half your entry fees of all your other leagues if you sweep your league. So to me, that's something that we shoot for. Anything else is a bonus. When you're playing high volume, you know, Jay and I don't play high enough volume to go against some of these guys that have 300, 400, 500 entries that they're going to hit on a team that has the nuts that has our stack and they probably have two other things yeah. we don't have. <laughs> yeah. But I think there is a strategy. We had a great discussion in our uh Dynasty Patreon channel about this. You can elevate some of these lower end quarterbacks that you may be forced to use by stacking. So I love stacking, yep. you know, Allen and Diggs. This guy in this draft got Kyler in the 6th round to stack with Hopkins. To me, that's yep. an even bigger steal. I mean, yep. But I think if you end up stacking, if we have Tannehill and Brown and Ferkser in one week, you can elevate a Tannehill already with that additional two or three or 5%. You can actually elevate Tannehill from his top 12 to top five or six relative to the rest of your team. So I actually like stacking some of the, you know, middle tier quarterbacks. So I love the burrow stack. He's a perfect quarterback that probably isn't a top five or six guy. on his own, But he's got three options that, You can pivot from round four to round eight or nine and get a Burrow stack. And and I actually like maybe more in football guys and main event. Um, CJ Uzama is a guy that's not getting drafted, but Mm -hmm. I actually like him as well as just the same type of stack as Ferkser. So I think you can elevate some of the quarterbacks and not have to pay if you want to do it that way.
3: Andrew, I have to to ask you a question. Your only quarterback was Joe Burrow. Did you contemplate taking a second one or you just punted it or Uh, you you intended...
1: So, Jay, I don't know if you were reading that. We talked a little bit before I got on about reading the chats. You guys talked about you're, you're asking a Farrell the rules or working through like the, the rules on your mm-hmm. first live draft. I messaged the chat and I said, point of clarification for the idiot who didn't read the rules: is there a Fab waiver run before the start of the season? Yes. Farrell in every draft says yes. There's a Fab waiver run, and Jay, once I got that green light mid draft was not even a thought to take a second quarterback. Okay. Now, I, I think that this is like the like put it in like the I'm uncomfortable like I could be uncomfortable situation. Look, if I have Burrow and my back's against the wall, I know that I'm gonna need to be aggressive, right? On on the waiver wire, and I and I can make those moves. And I think that you know, when, when we start getting in the thick of it, and again, maybe week one. Um, you know, I just need to make sure that there's, there's some players available. And I think that there were, as I look at the board and try to remember who's, you know, maybe there's a Wentz, which I know is a chasing the helmet, uh, you know, uh, Pariah, <laughs> but you know, he, he's available. And then, and then obviously like, right. As the season progresses, I, and bye weeks hit injuries hit, I don't think that every team, unless they're like super dedicated is going to be able to hold on to, you know, all the roster spots. Mm-hmm. So I think if needed, I can always find something on the waiver wire, especially if my back's up against the wall. But no, it's funny you asked that, Jay. I, I absolutely had to ask the chat just to make sure that I knew the rules uh, and that I was good to go for week one, just in case Joe Burrow is not.
3: You see, this is where Scott and I are at odds, too, in the second quarterback. Scott agrees with you. One quarterback, yeah. you take him that high. That's it. I look at it a different way with the injury riddle NFL season. It, it seems that every year it's more and more. Uh, I like to get that second quarterback just to back up, uh, especially if you can get value for him. But the Joe Burrow injury doesn't scare you. You think he's going to come flying right out of the gate and pick up where he did last year? I mean that that I mean, I, I'm thinking Ryan Tannehill, Josh Allen. I mean later in the season, Josh Allen could be playing in a foot of snow in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, it will be happy to have Ryan, Ryan Tannehill throwing A.J. Brown in first, <laughs> you know, in that so, lineup. But but, but 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 if you don't go and do that or pursue that second quarterback, you don't have that option uh, or depth. So uh, yeah. you know, that's the reason I asked you. I mean, that's a great no, answer. No, I, you, I, you... I like being over the summers. I like being fragile.
1: Uh, I don't mind maybe closer to, you know, main event time, uh, potentially looking at that second quarterback like late, late, late. But over summer, and again, I don't think June is technically summer, uh, but here in May, June, I am wanting to have as many running back and wide receiver dart throws as possible, and I want to skip having the second quarterback, especially when I know that there's a week one ra- waiver run if anything bad happens to my you know onesie positions.
2: So here's the thing, I, and I actually agree with you, Andrew. Of course. Oh, well, and, and here's, but here's the, here's the evidence. I, I mean, Definitely. he set
1: himself up, right?
2: He did. There were 21 quarterbacks drafted in this league. Now do the math. That's 11 quote unquote starters that will be taking the field opening day that are not on rosters right now. Here's the other thing. We're coming off a historic quarterback class. Some of these drafts, you have Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance getting drafted. That is two or three other guys that may not start right away as well. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't take a second quarterback, but I agree with your idea Look what you did at the back three picks. Devontae Booker, an injury-away guy behind an injury-prone running back coming off an ACL surgery. I like Devontae Booker. Love that pick. LaMichael Pirine in a completely ambiguous backfield. He's an easy drop if he's fourth on the depth chart yep. when they break camp. Easy drop, but he could be the starter. He could be the backup. And then Samajay P. Pirine, same thing. So you took two one-injury-away running backs and – there's 11 quarterbacks, if not more, available for you to pick up one. So I, I think Jay, we, Jay and I are still working through this. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. With COVID last year, on main event teams, you had people holding four or five quarterbacks oh, just God. going, yeah. you know what? Two of my guys could be canceled because of COVID. <sighs> one guy could be on a bye. So Jay and I did it. We had four quarterbacks on every team. So if you were looking to the waiver wire, like you should be in a 12-team, one-quarterback league, there should be at least five or six bodies available. Last year, in the last half of the season, none. Maybe, maybe the dregs that you didn't want to play. But that's it. So I think we have to readjust and recalibrate a little bit. And um, I personally, if I'm going to take a second quarterback this year, it, it's Trey Lance in the nineteenth, yeah. Justin Fields in the fifth. To me, those guys have home run ceilings. I would much rather do that than take a Ben Roethlisberger in the 18th.
3: Ah, Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Well, that type, too. When you have Mahomes, mm-hmm. to me, that pick made no sense. I
3: yeah. would too. But, but Scott, we are in agreement. The reason we did take Tannehill was because of the triple stack with Brown and Fersker and Josh Allen's week off. Tannehill is playing against the Chiefs, which is a high-scoring game. So mm-hmm. all of the stars align for you to agree. Okay, Tannehill, There's a method the to pick. the
2: Tannehill pick. I don't think the method is something we will follow in every draft. Hey, once mm-hmm. it gets to round 12, we're looking for a second quarterback. I agree with Andrew's strategy. Mm-hmm. If I had my choice all the time and it wasn't a specific player, Tannehill. Yes, I agree. So okay, if yeah. we agree, Jay.
1: <laughs> God, Andrew, I, I you like get to agree on your show. Wow. Yeah, this, is, this is great. I'm, I'm glad. See, I, I, I opened saying that there's going to be some therapy involved. Um, so I'm, I'm glad somebody got some therapy. No, I know. I mean, and we'll, we'll close out right with the stacking is, you know, actually, as I look at the board and should have noticed it before, you know, team three stacked Dak with um, Amari. Uh, team f- four stacked uh, Stafford with Woods. Uh, team six, Russell with Lockett. I'm um, team seven. I did the, you know, the Bengal stack. Uh, team eight did Goddard and Hertz is like a little mini one. Uh, you guys obviously had a, a couple different stacks in there. Uh, team 11 did Herbert and Eckler, which I thought was really interesting. And then as you guys mentioned, I think that, you know, you guys were hitting it pretty hard on your pod. Your live draft pod is team 12 going after Kyler and, uh, and when he would do that. So, you know, a lot, a lot of stacks here. I think that everyone's seeing the value in those stacks. And Scott, I think that you were, you're calling attention to it in terms of the, the elevation of, uh, of, of maybe not the, uh, the elite quarterback there, even though we mentioned a couple. Um, one other thing before I wanted to hit on before you know maybe we talk about our our teams and move on to some other segments. You guys talked about tight ends. Now I waited on tight ends. I took my first Noah Fant in the ninth round. I like Noah Fant. Um, I think he's in that tier. I think you know Goddard and Logan Thomas went in the same round. Okay, perfect. But then Tyler Higby was available in the eleventh round, and I'm not a big Higby guy. I don't think I needed a second tight end. And I think you guys even called attention to it. Okay. First team to take two tight ends. I just thought where we were in like that wide rec- call called the wide receiver dead zone, right? When you have a bunch of these guys that maybe give you a good best ball, maybe good best ball, wide receivers call them. I just thought it'd be more interesting to have that, you know, that safety call it at a onesie position. What did you guys think about that? You, because know, obviously in this draft, this particular draft, you guys really punted tight end. I mean, you guys waited to the 15th, 16th round uh, to go back-to-back on yours. But there I was in non-tight end premium taking two tight ends uh, right there in the ninth and the 11th.
3: Well, three tight ends came off the board. We were looking at tight end in round uh, 12 as well. But when Ingram, Tanya, and Gizaki, you took Higby, or Smith went off, we you know we discussed it you know if you listen to the podcast that now all of the remaining tight ends it doesn't matter I mean they're all in pretty much in the same tier yeah okay so why reach for one at that point so I mean we didn't take our first tight end till round fifteen and then we followed up with commit in sixteen so I think that was a good move to us I mean th- that yep. we decided to do uh, because then then when we did that then all the other tight ends came off but uh, don't you agree yeah. Scott I don't think any of the others were Head and shoulders above the, the two that we chose.
2: No, and we, you know, we maybe were a little bit jaded from our first draft too, where we saw Austin Hooper went to waivers. You know, that's a player that, and <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's not even that I necessarily like Austin Hooper, but he's a player that goes to waivers in these drafts. And so, you know, I kind of look at some of the names that are available. You know, there's some risk with a couple guys. You know, one of the, one of the sexy picks for us this year has been Cole Komet. But, you know, there is some evidence to say a lot of these second-year tight ends that people maybe elevate because, you know, the expectation with a rookie tight end is let's just see him get on the field. That's it. If a rookie tight end gets on the field and they earn snaps and they earn the trust of the quarterback and the coaching staff, to me that's a win. But then a lot of times we elevate these guys into, okay, well, their role is going to expand 20 or 30% because now they're sophomores. And they kind of can go on a little bit of a lull for a couple years, but the tight end shelf life, you know, the prime for a tight end is like 26, 27, 28 yeah. years old. So sitting here drafting, you know, 22 year old tight ends. Well, he's a second year player. He's got to get 30% better, right? It doesn't always happen. So I think there is some risk with, you know, the Irv Smith from last year or Komet and Adam Chopman from this year, yeah. you know, especially in a non-premium league, if I can spend a 20th round pick and maybe sacrifice a little upside, but then take a guy that realistically may just be a placeholder in round 14, I think we can diversify in that range. So we probably, you know, we probably will look to get some different tight ends. Um, And there may be a draft where, we don't take any until the very end, just for that that same reason. Totally different than football guys or main event. Yeah. There.
3: Oh yeah. You know, yeah. People
2: hoard them just because. <laughs> and actually, the the math in a one point five PPR league, it actually doesn't support flexing tight ends outside of like no. the top seven or eight. But people still take them. Like, oh hey, I can flex the tight end. It's like no, that's not optimal. But people still draft them that way. So yeah. you do have to get them, or you punt.
1: That's that's somebody who got caught in a running back pinch. Oh, okay. I could just throw a tight end, thinking he's the starter. I maybe I I luck into you know seven catch day or whatever.
2: Or you took all my running backs, so I'm going to punish you and draft four yeah. tight ends.
3: Now that happens a lot in the main event.
1: Uh,
2: we it call
3: it defensive drafting <laughs> uh, <laughs> or catchback drafting, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let, let's let's move on. We'll, we'll kind of
1: continue to review our teams uh, for these next couple of questions. Um, Call this one the nervous tummies segment. I I have one for you guys, so I'm I'm, I'm okay to kick off if you want me to. Was there a particular spot in this draft where you guys hated where you were at, that you got stuck, maybe somebody sniped you? Uh, It was like your most gut-wrenching, again, nervous tummies, uh, as I'll call it, uh, decision point in your draft. Anything that came to mind for either
3: of you guys? Well, for me, I just just mentioned it. It was the tight end. I wanted a tight end in the 12th round. And Scott said, no, we're punting, we're punting, we're punting. And I was on him to grab a tight end. Um, So, you know, they just, they were just gobbled up. We didn't expect that many to go. Mm -hmm. Scott may have another spot, but uh, it's round 12 for me on the tight end situation.
2: No, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, that was exactly the spot. I think we went down to the last two seconds on that pick, and we took Rashad Penny. (laughs) And uh, Yes, yes. We we went all the way down to the bottom. Um, Eric was on this draft with us. He was chiming in. All of us were looking in different directions. And you hit it earlier, Andrew, fragility in the summer, because especially knowing the quarterbacks and tight ends that fall to waivers in these leagues – Mm -hmm. the biggest bump you can get equity wise would be at a running back position. And we kind of sacrificed the pick before I lobbied for Rashad Bateman because people fade Rashad Bateman. I think he probably moves up in terms of where he's going to go as we get more towards the season. But if you could tell me there's a rookie and Jay and I did it last year, we had T Higgins, chase Claypool. We had those guys on teams and we, when they don't fire right away, you drop them and they go to waivers, and other people profit later on in the year. But I think we got stuck because I don't like drafting more than one running back like Naheem Hines, JD McKissick. I don't like loading up on those guys, and (laughs) we already took Hines. Little satellite
1: backs. You can't can't just like pick four of them in the middle of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Exactly, because you really never want to have to play two of those guys at once. Yeah. You want them just to be a placeholder when you need to throw somebody in. And so – you know that's why we took Penny. We didn't really have him on our board, but we kind of looked at it and said, "Coming off an injury, he's risky, but uh, I think he's probably better than what he's shown in the NFL thus far." And he is an injury away from probably having a a much higher ADP. So that's, right. that's why we went there.
1: That's right. Yeah, I like the, I like the Bateman pick. Of course, you got I I had his counterpart only what four rounds earlier when I took Hollywood Brown on the seventh. Uh, but I like <laughs> I like seeing that block of yellow there. That made me that made me feel happy. <laughs> um, no, so an, another Raven and you guys touched on this, but I, I want your thoughts because my biggest nervous tummy spot in the draft. So I go Taylor Mixon, I go CD lamb, it's start three wide receivers. We've talked a lot about these points. So it's all, it's all one song, right? It's, but it's the alphas, um, at four, what is this four must be seven. Uh, you, you know, I'm up. T. Higgins is there, but J.K. Dobbins has fallen. So you guys have a plan. And again, I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder. You guys had this Josh Allen plan. Hey, we're going to take Josh Allen. We're going to stack. We're going to stack. But then J.K. Dobbins kept falling. So he falls to me, call it first uh, you know, of us, or I guess only of us, because uh, he was taken with the next pick. Uh, interested to see what you guys would have done if you were in my shoes. And then I kind of want to know what you guys would have done in your shoes. But I'll tell you where I landed was, again, I had T. Higgins. I had Jamar Chase. Those are my only two options. I ended up deciding T Higgins because he had the alpha-like qualities last year. He's already in it. Totally agree with the Burrow-Chase connection with LSU. It can't be discounted. But I like Higgins there. I have a ton of Higgins this offseason. If you listen to any of my stuff, I'm just taking him wherever, trading for him in Dynasty. I've got a huge T Higgins problem. So I ended up going him because of the start three-wide receiver. So question for you guys. Did I get in my own head about the three-wide receiver? And with my start – if you were in my shoes, would you have gone J.K. Dobbins to go with three running backs and really have to work for that uh, that, uh, that that you know the the, the wide receivers later
3: on in the draft? So let me open it up there. I I think Andrew, I I just love that that five wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, you'll, <laughs> there, yeah, you'll run. Block. I mean, you got a lot of points there. I'm not a, a J.K. Dobbins yeah. fan, as Scott can tell you. I it, I think it's a crowded backfield with Gus. Uh, but uh, I, I, I probably would have done exactly what you did—a wide receiver. Yeah, even if it's not Higgins, you would have gotten a wide receiver there over Dobbins. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think the conundrum, Andrew, is you know you already started running back, running back. So if you knew yeah. Dobbins would have been there in the fourth, you know you probably would have been, you know maybe
1: maybe I go uh, Ridley or Jefferson a, if exactly. I had known. You, mm. you take
2: a receiver in round two. You know you can get yeah. Dobbins in round four. My, my feelings on Dobbins are. He's one of the most polarizing running backs. I think he's going to continue to be polarizing. Um, There's some minimum thresholds you have to hit to be a top eight running back. It's hard to project him to hit any of those except for the ambiguous touchdowns and efficiency, which are hard to bet on. So he's polarizing. So he does does fall in some of these drafts just because there may not be a Dobbins fan. So I think if you knew he was going to go there, you would have probably hit Ridley or Jefferson. Been elated that you got Dobbins. You may have been able to come back around because we actually were not going necessarily to take Josh Allen there. I wanted Josh Jacobs because I thought oh. we'd be able to get Josh Allen.
1: Yeah. Oh, in the, the fifth.
2: And then we yeah. settled, oh, you know what? People don't like Jacobs, even though he's averaged 260 touches a year for the last two years. I'm mean, like, he's going to get work. It's just nothing about his situation is fun. So no one likes him at this point. But we actually were banking on trying to get Jacobs on the way back. Uh, but it didn't work out. But I, I get it in this format, man. If you would have gone a third running back, you know. I think I think don't you, feel good. You would have had to go two or yeah. three more receivers from round eight to round 11. And mm. they would have been names where you're going, yeah. when the hell do I start yeah. this guy? Like, exactly. So, yeah I, yeah, I get it. I, think I you like stuck what to your you process. did,
1: Andrew. I like oh, yeah. that you did. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely my nervous tummy spot of the draft. If he if he was there in your pick, would you got would you guys have had a debate or maybe Jay makes makes it seem like you, that was like a, I'm going to put my foot down on that one.
3: No, we would not have taken Thomas. But remember, our original strategy was to go, right. go wide receivers. So after we took Josh Allen, we got back on track and snag Ken, Kenny Galladay. The gift, at least I think a gift coming back in the sixth round, we landed James Robinson, yeah. thousand yard rusher, seven touchdowns, 300 in the air. I mean, three more touchdowns in reception, 10 touchdown guy. Um, and I, and people, and I don't know why he's dropping. Uh, I mean, I do know why, but I mean, that was a gift to pair with CEH. That was perfect. Yeah, like that. And the bye weeks were different. So, I mean, we were, if you listen to our podcast, I mean, we were elated. We were very happy to get Robinson on the way back.
2: I, uh- I would have lobbied for Dobbins only because I think we would have still got Josh Allen and Mm -hmm. I am a massive Jerry Judy fan. So I look at this board and say, we could have had Dobbins Judy in place of Galladay and James Robinson. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you know that I I might like that a little bit better, but you know, that's not how it fell. We didn't want to take Carson or Jacobs, you know, at least the consensus there were three of us and I got outvoted. So yeah, it, it landed how it did.
3: Well, were no, we, thinking, that, that we, we were thinking about rolling the dice, Scott, on Josh Allen and coming back and possibly get him in the fifth because on the last board we had, he went five twelve. Yeah, but we didn't do that. We wanted to secure him, but we could have done that, and, right. and and then we could have got the Dobbins.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I had the much much lower stakes version of that where I was like, well, I'll, I'll reach a little bit on Joe Burrow, but you guys did the same thing. It's like, well, if I'm already, if I want to do the stack, I might as well lock in the stack. Why why risk it if you don't have to? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well hey, I, I know we're a little bit over, but just wanted to ask, is there anything else like about your team that you guys wanted to mention before we kind of get into our last couple segments? segments, um, either about your team or any other like draft quirks that you saw now that we've had a couple of days to digest the board? Any, any nice game theory that you guys enjoyed uh,
3: while, you know, of course, st- studying this and dissecting it? I think we're still feeling the checkered flag format. Yeah. Um, you know, this is our only second draft. Uh, Again, like I stated earlier, we have two more to go. So certainly we're going to go into those two with totally different strategies. And, you know, we'll be bidding, which is the nice thing about these leagues. They're not dealt to you. You know, it's not computer generated. This is where you're going to draft. So it looks like maybe we'd be spending some money, possibly uh, for rounds one or 12 or, you know, at least looking for around different rounds uh, with best best value. So, So I think that's our focus. And once we land those draft spots and then our strategy would develop from there. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, so let's, let's do these last couple segments. I, I like this one. This is the, the somebody knows something. Uh, this to me was like the, the, the Eno Benjamin last year award. We saw those sharps starting to take Eno Benjamin. And then everyone else followed suit, like the Lynn Bowden award uh, where, you know, they ended up pushing the, their, their own way up to like the, the 14th, 15th, maybe even the 13th round. Um, was there a late round pick that caught your eye here that made you go, Hmm, you know, something like, Hey, I may, I may steal that. And of course, give them the proper credit, um, you know, going forward. And like I said, I'm happy to go first on this one. And unless, you know, one of you guys wants to take it. No, go
3: ahead, Andrew. It's your podcast.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, so I, I liked Frank Darby, uh, at the 2001. And funny enough, I never thought I would have gotten sniped on Frank Darby. And I don't think it's like a true snipe. He was, you know, he was in my queue it was him and some AJP P Ryan who I did take. Um, but let me talk about Frank Darby cause I'm, I definitely like this pick I'm copying in the future. Maybe I have to do like the 19th round now. Um, but I like the idea of Frank Darby, especially if Julio Jones gets traded. Uh, he was a guy that Matt Waldman liked. Uh, you know, I not smart enough to, to do my own rookie scouting. Matt Waldman does a good job. Matt Waldman was on him pre-draft. Um, really interesting. Had him like a top 10 wide receiver. Um, So that caught my eye. And then, of course, he's on the Falcons. Julio Jones gets traded. You could convince me easily that Russell Gage, just a guy, Zacchaeus, just a guy, a lot of just a guys behind them. And I could easily convince myself, trick myself, whatever you want to call it, that I could see – you know, somebody stepping up and taking that wide receiver two role or even three role, because again, today's NFL are playing three wide receivers. I'm just really interested in that Frank Darby pick, and I want to be taking some kind of shots on those guys, especially as the call it the more obvious or expected Falcons names trend a little bit higher in ADP. I want to sit back in the 19th and 20th and uh and take uh, and take Frank Darby. So I, I don't know if that caught you guys' eye. If what I said it was- makes clean. sense. Yeah, I, I I could talk myself into a lot of things, and and he's definitely somebody that I'm I'm telling the story about.
2: I actually agree with you on the Falcons. I like this. I like Zacchaeus's uh, yeah. analytical profile the best of the three. Okay, but I do agree that there is some meat on the bone. It's interesting how everyone is all in on the Falcons right now. Obviously, we know who going to most likely be gone, but. You know, who steps up? I think in right now in, in FFPC drafts, people don't like him because they burn he got burned by him last year, but I think Hayden Hurst is being under drafted. You know, he you look at his range of outcomes. I don't care about Kyle Pitts because there's a chance that him and Kyle Pitts' role does not really overlap all that much. So could Hayden Hurst get a cheap 85 targets? Now it's nothing to write home about, but You know, he's falling down below tight ends that you're not even sure are going to have roles in some of these drafts. So I like his value. I actually love the Devontae Booker pick. That's a guy that is, he's very much like a poor man's Jamal Williams to where, like, he's an injury away guy that the team went out of their way to sign. And he never really got the kudos that he deserved in Denver because he came in, he kind of busted in his first year and then, you know, he came back and the second year people were just off of him. And then Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay came in. So Booker was kind of just there for three years in Denver and got lost. So I actually like the Booker pick. Um, and the other one is Elijah Mitchell for San Francisco. Ah, yeah. yeah. I, he He's going up boards because of the Jeff Wilson pick. I actually was on him before the Jeff Wilson injury because there's a pretty good chance Elijah Mitchell may not make the team and could end up somewhere else and might be the third best running back on another jet chart. So I I like getting shares of a guy like that. Maybe not now because he's going to go up in price and he's probably going to make the Niners roster, which at this point that could be a bad thing if he's number four. Uh, But I like those two especially. And then, uh, you know, John Brown round 18. Wouldn't be shocked if he has 110 targets at just, and he's not sexy, but that's great value if you're looking. That's what that's what chases people into these. Well, I can find receivers late. Yeah. You know that that type of pick right there makes you. That's all receivers. John yeah. Brown could have 120 targets, and then you get into the season and you go, "Why do, why do I have John Brown?" But I like that pick, round 18. That's a great value.
3: Well, you yeah. nailed my guy, Scott. That was what I was going to say. John Brown, and Christian left. Kirk,
2: the same thing. Uh, yeah, you got, Kirk, yeah,
3: you guys got him.
1: I like we that. We take
2: Christian Kirk because he literally goes in the last two rounds, and it's like. One injury away, and you know the offense is going to throw it 575 times. So he's going to be on the field a lot.
1: Yeah on the uh, on the Booker Scott, I I did have an ex an existential crisis before I uh, I reached out to you guys, thinking oh oh shit I because I think you guys took him in the first checkered flag. You, yep. you mentioned at the top, like, sniping yes. oh, yes. well, our picks and taking our picks. I knew that you guys liked him, but in fairness to me. I've also been taking him this, this off season. So before I reached out to you guys, I was like, Oh shit. And we're going to have to talk about how I've been sniping their picks. So uh, I, I did want to give you guys credit. I think in your first uh, checker flag, you guys snagged him. Uh, but I, yeah, for all the reasons, I mean, obviously you laid out, I, I, I love, I love snagging Booker, especially how free he's uh, he's been this off season. All right. So last segment. Thank you guys. I appreciate, you know, Scott and Jay, you guys sticking around. I think we said 45 minutes, obviously we're a little over, that's okay. I think we've been, we've been doing great here. Um, last game, my favorite game. Having said that, feel a little bit bad because the Kentucky guys are so nice. Farrell's so nice. Uh, <laughs> I hate being the new guy coming in and starting pointing fingers and calling people the rake. But it's show business, and we got a show to do. So we're going to play a segment. Who's the rake? Um, as I say to the, the guests, you guys are more than welcome to say I'm the rake. That's easy. Great cop-out. I mean, everyone will think your cop-out is fine, though. You can say me if you want to be nice, or you can pick a team that you think is going to be the rake. Doesn't have to be the last place finisher. Just the fact that you just know right here, the second the draft is done, you know that team is not winning any money, and they definitely can't come back and complain about it. You guys want to start? Or you want me to start? You could start, Andrew. All right, let let me start here. I had two teams in mind, but then I started thinking about it uh, a little bit more, and I'm going to go. Which is actually a great personal risk to myself, Team Five. A couple reasons: one, they're basically going naked tight end, um, but didn't love that they snagged Hunter Henry as the what six uh, fifth tight end off the board. You know, Kelsey Waller, Kittle, Andrews, Pitts, so six, and then Hawkinson's still there. I had Hawkinson on my mind, but he takes Hunter Henry uh, over Hawkinson, which I think is especially a non-tight end premium, like way too early. So I thought that that was interesting in a prime wide receiver spot which i want to get to jay you even said it when you guys were, were recapping the first board um i mean i think jameson crowder i think that he was the other one you guys were monitoring him at hooper um they went you know they hit the waivers and that one and then you know he goes crowder in round nine um you know we'll see about that and not a whole lot of wide receiver depth i think the thing that finally hit home for me uh who's he gonna start at, you know wide receiver week one He's got to do three. He's got to start three wide receivers: Godwin, Chark. Okay, obvious. But then he's got his remaining four. He's going to go Waddle, Crowder, Mooney, or Marshall. Um, I just point, think he's going to have two lineup yeah. decisions throughout the year, um, you know, to, to fill that wide receiver three spot. Um, now, having said that, this is why I think he's just going to struggle all year. You know, obviously the waiver wire. You know, that's going to be a benefit to him. Why this is an issue with me calling him out is he's my week one opponent. So I'm just absolutely ready for him to pick the right wide receiver three and just get dumped on week one and just have this who's the rake blow up all in my face. So anyways, I'm ultimately going team five for the reasons of I think the reach on tight end and then just the the no sure thing as wide receiver three. I think that's gonna be a struggle all season. So you guys your turn to be mean. Who's who's the
3: rake in your in your opinion? Well, I don't have a mean streak in my body, so Not I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, my wife would uh, disagree with that, but uh, I think the best team uh, in the league is number cruncher uh, six. I think yep. our team, our team and your team, Andrew, definitely in the top four, but he got that six slot uh, for 10 bucks and he just sat back. And just picked off the value as it came to him. Uh, either way, did the third round reversal had no effect on him whatsoever? I like that he got Hawkinson, he got Russell Wilson, and he stacked it with Tyler Lock. He's got Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson, Allen Robinson. I mean, he's got his receivers are good. He stole Jamal Williams from us. He reached, I think, a little bit. He got him in the tenth. We were looking at Jamal in the twelfth. Yeah, uh, that was a pick I wish uh, we would have had. Um, I just all around and he's got Justin Fields who, who we had drafted in. Well, he, in he's in another
1: listener who sniped you on the Justin Fields pick. If you, if Yeah.
3: You yeah. And he stacked them with Allen Robinson. He did a yeah. chasing the helmet uh, stack there. So uh, it's that Steve Cartwright, number cruncher, kudos to is. him. I think he had a good draft. Uh, now to go to back uh, and put the mean streak uh, back right. in place. Um, I'd say team three, uh, g- good players, but, there's question marks and possible injuries The news with Barkley. Is he going to come right out of the gate uh, and start? Or are they going to have him on a snap count? You've got Cortland Sutton. He's, he's coming back from a pretty serious injury. Same thing. Dak Prescott uh, though. We like Dak, but still, mm-hmm. um, you know, is he going to return to true form? Is he going to pick up a uh, way left off uh, last year and just the backs I mean again that's a decision. I know you start Barkley, but what if he's he he has on a snap count, he has no really depth there with Drake Fournette, and how. I mean who you're going to start It's a coin flip. So not to be mean, but I'd say team 3, team 3 for me since you already took team 5. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> All right, Scott. Yeah, and,
2: well, hi i appreciate jay starting it off with a nice thing it's like when you're gonna insult somebody you give them a compliment first <laughs> <laughs> then the insult only only hits a little bit you know less hard than it would have yeah. um, it is interesting that team three i mean that's mr team acl recovery he's got Barkley, yeah. he's got something he's got jarwin and then you got other guys that you know their names are synonymous with injury with fournette mike williams david johnson aj green deshaun jackson i mean a lot of injury yeah, risk Williams in there. Yeah. yeah, a lot of guys in there that you're not really sure of. I, my uh, my team that I, I looked at this earlier and tried to figure out, okay, what team do I like the least? And I don't necessarily hate this team in terms of the players. I don't mm. necessarily like the structure for the format. Um, got it. Team 10, ball well broke. Kelsey in the first round in this format. Someone's got to take him typically in the top half of the second round or earlier, but... Mm-hmm. That's just not our cup of tea. We talked about that earlier. Um, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, that's fine in round two and three. Uh, Chris Carson in round four, you know, I think he maybe played that right looking what the board showed to him. But at the same time, you know, he might've been able to get Kareem Hunt or Montgomery there uh, and gone with a receiver, especially given that his first receiver after Allen was Jamar Chase. Uh, But what I didn't like is I'm not a big fan of, He paid up for a tight end in this format. He paid up for a quarterback, even though he got pretty decent value on Lamar, but you're taking the onesie positions that are not necessarily at a premium with the tight end here. And then his fourth running back was a handcuff. And then this is a 96 team tournament. And so, you know, obviously Jay and I are playing in three or four of these leagues, but if I'm trying to win a tournament, that's 96 teams, you know, I would rather not handcuff my running backs, quite frankly. I would have rather pivoted off of taking another handcuff instead. You know, take a Jamal Williams or take somebody like that instead of a handcuff to Aaron Jones. Cause I think he took a lot of risk with Kelsey in the first, and then, you know, you're stuck on both Green Bay running backs. What if Rodgers doesn't play? That that's a lot of risk. And I think you're limiting your upside yeah. by handcuffing. So just roster construction. I yeah. I love the Trey Lance pick in round nineteen, yeah. and I gotta give this guy kudos. Antonio fricking Callaway in round eighteen. Coming back from the dead, there's going to be a relevant Chiefs receiver. There's like seven of them right now that it could be. Besides, <laughs> yeah. you know Hardman and Hill. Um, so I love seeing Antonio Callaway. I got a kick out of seeing him picked in one of these leagues. So yeah, I'll, I'll awesome. give him kudos on that. And, and and you
1: like the Elijah Mitchell pick? I I, I think that um it, m- maybe maybe said this way for Team Ten, all the individual picks made sense. Called like in the proverbial vacuum. Right. But then when you look at it on a holistic basis, it was, you know, maybe a little bit of just like for, for your taste, like the, the construction that was done. And three all, all rookie, receivers as, well. three rookie receivers as
2: well. Three rookie receivers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All right. Well, no, thanks. Thank you both for playing along with that. That's that's my favorite segment because, you know, you got, you got to call somebody out. And of course, you know, anybody who gets called out as the rake is more than welcome to come on. We'll, 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 we'll always have them on. Um, guys, this is great. I know we were a little bit uh, over what we expected. I really appreciate you know you both hanging in, and the, you know the listeners. You know when they get to this in podcast form, you guys hanging in. I uh, really appreciate that. Scott J, why don't you plug? You know what, what you guys want to do individually, of course, and then you know would love to you know hear the next steps in the chasing the helmet and what your schedule looks like and what you guys have maybe have uh, already got in the bank.
3: Well, I addressed the schedule. We uh, Our next uh, pod is this Friday night. It's going to be an FFPC football guy. So we're pivoting. It'll be our nice. second football guy, but it'll be our first uh, live pod uh, for that draft. Uh, and then uh, we're going to follow up the following week with our third football guy and our second football guy pod. Uh, and then we're going to pivot back to the checkered flag on the 20th. That will be a pod as well. And then on the 23rd, we're going to draft in a checkered flag, but it will not be a pod. But we have a special guest coming on two days later on Friday to recap, similar to what we're doing here. Andrew, uh, sort of break it up a little bit so it's not Love. always a live draft. Live draft, man. So that's pretty much our focus and schedule uh, for the month of June.
2: Yeah, and then we will be uh, in Kentucky on uh, August, the weekend of August 29th. Uh, we'll be drafting in four of the big paybacks there. Jay will be getting there and doing some other drafts as well before I get there. Uh, So we'll definitely be having some live content uh, coming in the end of August. Live in Vegas. Eight main events between Jay and I and Eric will be in there with a couple of us. Uh, Eric and I are doing an auction. Jay's doing a main event on his own. So we'll have plenty of drafts there in Vegas to, you know, maybe meet up with some fellow players. So we'll have more live content. We want to bring more spontaneous stuff like we do with the live drafts. I think that's kind of where our niche is and we want to continue that throughout the summer. So that's, uh, you know, what's on tap. And then July, you know, J- July is basically wide open, right? Jay? Any challenges we get, any invites yeah. to other leagues yeah. or tournaments? You know, so far
3: open, we but... have not turned down any Twitter challenge. So if you want to challenge us yeah. to a football like guy it. or or whatever leagues out there, you name it, uh, we usually will hop in and jump in and take you on. <laughs> well, well how, how about, how about this, Scott?
1: what, you guys are in the 750 auction on that Friday.
2: Yes, uh, Eric and I will be under yes. the Ohio Connection. We are doing that draft. Off-time. Yeah, yep. S- switch
1: into the 1250. I'm in the 1250 at that 9 a.m. That one needs to fill. Did the 750 Ooh. already fill? Just move, just filled, move up yep. to 1250. Oh, okay, filled, all right, yep. all right. Yourself, fair enough. Just do do a second one. No, I don't, know. anyways. Well, maybe
2: you can, uh, we'll definitely meet up. I'll, I may even come and look. uh, you know, observe depending on our schedule.
1: We might be going on the same time. time. I think it's that 9am slot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We have a tight schedule, but yeah, we'll definitely, it'll be cool to see you in Vegas, you know, being out there. That'll be cool.
1: I like it. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys both. Scott, Jay, this was awesome. Really appreciate the time. Um, All right, guys, let's, let's sign off until the uh, next uh, half Millie Billies. Be out there. And then LFG. Thank you both.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Bye.
0: Here we have a story about a couple of billies Get rich quick, man that seems kinda silly I mean, from dynasty to redraft, really? Ain't no way they about to make this quarter milli Feel me? Nah man, I really don't This the GOAT district, they win whenever they want This the big time though, they plane playing against the bonds Gotta wonder if they're prepared or if the bomb Look Let's quick run through a checklist I only got a minute but I want you to get this Experience? Yes Evaluation? Yes BBD Yes Sleeper picks Yes Well, sheesh, now you get it I ain't even lying Go ahead pick up the rhymes Spit a couple of lines Spell it out for people so they can feel it in their spine G-O-A-T Greatest of all time It's the corner Millie on a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T Gonna flex? That's a yes Matter of fact no. Say less, say less It's the quarter billies on a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest GOAT gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, say less, say less